Hi again, everyone. Welcome back. This is Julie Bates with the podcast, Training the Pointing Labrador, episode number 279. And in today's, I am going to, as I think I promised last time, begin a little bit of a troubleshooting kind of thing on this, uh, 279 of these. Covered a lot, a lot of stuff. One of the things uh, in that I got asked from somebody uh, down south was about all the different kinds of instructions that people that are interested in training get. You got my podcast, you got other podcasts, you've got video, oh, YouTube, good Lord, you know, just anything you want on YouTube and, and then any of the forums, you just ask a question and, and get pelted with, with all the answers. And, and so the, always a, a lot of the questions are, well, so-and-so said, if I want to do this, I need to do it this way. But then I saw over here and it's all a different way. And it's got to be uh, pretty confusing, particularly with the, the way that the avenues of, of getting information right now is, is absolutely overwhelming. And I'm not sure what criteria people use when they choose uh, what to do. But I just want to, so in a, I can't tell somebody, oh, okay, listen to this guy, this guy, and this guy. Do not listen to, I'm not, I'm not ever going to do that. I never have. Um, and I certainly don't tell anybody I have all the answers because I do not. But what I would love to be able to empower people with is a little bit more of an understanding of what it is you are trying to do and what it is you're asking about. Because, and I've used this before a long time ago in early podcasts, if you've either been a kid or had a kid, if you are married or in a relationship of any kind, you know that there is not a video or a book or a lecture or anything that can tell you, okay, all right, if you have a kid, this is how you raise them. This is what you do. Because there are seven zillion different kinds of kids, and every kid has a lot of different aspects to them. And then you take in, you know, basically how they are organically, and then the environment into which they arrive, and that's highly affects everything. So I think that's why it must be very hard for psychiatrists and people to write books on on being in a relationship happily, or <laughs> or being, or or raising a kid, or even being one. You know, if you think about it, if there's not like a recipe, and this works, and it's very much that way in dogs. And people don't. Some people are very aware of that. And some people um, are very aware of it, but think that they have found the recipe. And then there's people that have no idea <laughs> at the variation that's in there. So I'm just going to at least put that out uh, for everybody. That's been a common theme through all I say. When people, I've had people call or email or out training, you know, they ask a question. So what do I do when my dog does this? You know, one of the ones I've gotten all my life doing this is, oh, what do you do when a dog sticks on a bird? Right? So anyone who doesn't know what that is, that's when you're training and then the dog has the bird and does not want to give it to you, which of course is easy when you're in training. Well, they probably don't hardly do it there, but once you're in a competitive thing when you can do nothing, uh, a lot of times if there's been some issues earlier on in the training, you have that. And as yet, I have never heard or seen anyone have the answer to that. And it's like that on most things, is that 
until you know about that particular dog and then the, the history of what began to and over time created that problem or one cataclysmic time created that problem, you cannot tell people how to solve that. Um, at least I've never seen it. If it's out there, I just haven't heard it yet. So I'm looking forward to that. And if anybody's got that one, make sure you let me know and I'll let the rest of the world know because that's a, that's a fairly uh, uh, complex kind of problem. And frankly, a lot of the things that we're trying to do with our dogs when we work with them and when we, when we uh, train and compete or just use them in whatever we're doing, there is a big variety of things that go into that. And I'm going to do like I always do. I'm going to do a little bit of an analogy here. But when you, um, I'll use myself as an example. I didn't have the world's happiest upbringing. Um, and not, not very supportive. And so me being me though, this organic part, you know, I kind of sat back and watched, thought, well, that's not very good. Well, that doesn't seem to be right. And when I get out, you know, and it's like, well, I want to go to college, although my folks put my sister through college. My brother was in the military, so he, he had that if he wanted it, never took it. And I didn't have any of it. And looking back, having had kids myself, it's like I can't imagine going, okay, kid number one, you get everything. Kid three, nothing. And so there's a lot I could have done with that. There's a lot that I could have done with that. And so being the kind of person I was, the organic part, and the way that I think about stuff and analyze it and don't get too judgmental, right? So I'm looking at anyway, I wound up putting myself through a very expensive, very difficult school. A couple times, uh, happy ending, got everything I wanted. Everything came out kind of well. If you put 10 other people in that situation, I don't know, you'd have gotten 10 different results out of that. You know, what they wound up doing. Maybe they bought into, yeah, you don't, shouldn't, you don't, don't go. You shouldn't go to school. You can't do anything. You're not any good at this. They would have bought into that. They would have pushed back, like my brother who died of alcoholism. Um, you know, there's all kinds of things that could happen. And so I, my story is irrelevant, but I'm just using it as an example. It's the same way with our dogs. So when we're trying to teach dogs things, I remember one person that called himself a trainer years ago said, they're all the same, it's just a different paint job. And that is the absolute furthest thing from the truth. That's like saying all men are identical. They're all the same. They're just short, tall, big, little. It, you know, that's not true. It, it's just not true at all. So in dog training, if somebody tells you, hey, this is how you do this, without taking in some of the other things that go with it, uh, there's going to be, you might be real successful, or you might just think it's you. Well, I just can't do this. And that's what I see most of all, is there somebody gets some good, could be really good instruction. This is how you carry this out. This is how you force fetch a dog, right? This is how you start a blind they get good information, but it's not working. So what they do then is come back and say, well, I'm just not very good at that. Oh, that's almost always the thing. Instead of saying, gee, I don't think I have this figured out yet. I need to start, I need to stay at it, really. Because everybody that any of you know that's really, really good was not, did not start out that way and made mistakes, and the more mistakes they made and stayed at it, the better they are now, and they figure it out, and they learn it. So because you see the YouTube video or see this really cool drill, everyone likes drills. 
every you get somebody a drill they are ecstatic why because there it is it's black and white do this put it out this far make sure it's white then do that and oh it's so satisfying right because you just do what you're told and then the dog is supposed to be trained and to a degree you're training them but just depends on a whole lot of other things that go into that so and you know i'll use force fetch as an example since most people here are retriever people i'm not going to teach a force fetch thing but force fetch is the ultimate result of that is that dog knows that when you tell it to pick something up or retrieve something it knows it has to and that it brings it back to you and waits for you to take it the basis on which further handling things evolve right so that's force fetch and having force fetched all kinds of different dogs there is not a okay this is how you do it and that's one of the things and this is not a self-promoting deal i have a video that's out that's on force fetch and i what i did on that was i can't remember maybe six dogs seven dogs maybe more i just we took during the filming time uh, all the dogs that i had uh, that were at the right stages of that and showed them and some of them are just like really good you know the way you want it to look and that but that that doesn't teach everybody very much because the reason it went that way is one because i know what i'm doing supposedly and two that dog had learned how to learn it's real important had learned how to learn um was very open and willing to to be taught things and to try and you know do what you're asking it to do so yeah well force fetch looks real easy and you just do these steps kind of and make sure you take a reading on the dog make sure they always understand everything and you get it and then in that same video there's a dog it's now my daughter's dog the infamous naked which i whose whose mother and father are hall of fame dogs <laughs> and her litter mates are going to be all too they're just exceptional dogs that's a, it was sort of like force fetching a cooked noodle because she just absolutely just mushed out to nothing while being force fetched now she got force fetched can handle do all the stuff she doesn't compete but but she could she got fully trained but i am actually showing so you just get her i had her on the table you know and i do a, an ear pinch and so <laughs> i have her and she just dissolves it in her mind because of the way that she is um she just basically everything shut down is like oh my lord what's happening <laughs> but you can still force fetch a dog like that but not the way that <laughs> exactly you would that other dog it's just all gung-ho and says, yeah sure oh you don't have to pinch my ear again i got it you have to approach that dog very differently but it would have been very easy to take that dog and say well you're, there's not even any point this dog will never be any good she won't even she i can't even force fetch her okay no just and i it's all demonstrated in there and i can't even remember now it's been enough years um everything that was done but it's like no okay so when you you can't get after them because if they dissolve because they're overwhelmed overwhelming them more certainly doesn't answer uh cookie fetching them and giving them a cookie doesn't answer it's how to make them understand the interaction that you have and to do that one you have to be a person who could do that two you have to kind of take a reading on the dog and then you have to be very patient is the dog smart enough to understand what i'm asking is the dog just emotionally real uh sensitive real delicate and so i've got to alter what i'm doing so you can't just tell somebody okay when you're force fetching a wet noodle this is what you do 
but you can force fetch a wet noodle. You can also force fetch a dog that says, not only no, but heck no. I'm not doing any of this. I don't like it. I'm going to bite you if you don't stop doing this to me. Okay, can you force fetch them? Yes. But you don't force fetch them by beating the heck out of them, which is probably what a lot of people would like to do, hurting them more. But one, by understanding, all right, this dog isn't real smart, say, for example. It could be smart. could not be. Find out, you know, where are we there on that scale? And then... How do I step a little bit outside the lines to get done what I want to get done? So I will tell you, in my experience, in my experience, more of dog training is making that adjustment. Well, first making the reading. All right, what do I bring to this? Because you, if you don't know what you're bringing to dog training, then you're not going to be as successful as you could if you knew. You know, are you a real nervous Nelly? You know, are you a real short attention span? Ding, 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 ding. You know, that's going to make it hard to train a dog that, to hold an attention span. You know, do you always understand everything you're doing? And if you don't and you're slower to get it, take the time and get it anyway. And if you think you're smarter than everybody else around you and you think you already got it, I eventually life's going to teach you you actually know <laughs> you're not smarter than everybody around you and you may not have it. So a little bit of humility going into every single dog that is trained I think is should be mandatory. Humility. I hope I can figure this one out. I hope I can get this. If you just go in there going hey I'll do it. I had one one trainer that I admire and I did. I learned so much from this guy big field trial pr trainer, not Mike or Danny, somebody else, who said, I could force fetch any dog in the world. And my, I just remember thinking, oh, I'm so glad I'm not a dog <laughs> around you because there wasn't much humility in there. I mean, that, they were going to do it or they were going to do it. And there's dogs that works with, and there's dogs where that creates other problems elsewhere, just like with kids. If you have a kid like that, you know, it says, oh, I'm not going to do anything you say. I don't care what you do and you still make them, you know, there's going to be something happen. Now, it's going to come squirting out somewhere, and it's certainly that way with dogs. So uh, <laughs> I think it's important to understand you and to, to the best of your ability, take a little bit of a reading on your dog. Now, what a lot of us tend to do, very easy, just like with kids, is you just love your dog so much, that you just don't see all of them, the whole part of it. You see the parts that are so neat, that are so good, and you just, that's good enough. Just, that's all I want to see. I don't want to see any, you know, you can, you can do that with a partner. You can do that with a kid. No, 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 my kid, my kid would never do that. <laughs> no, my kid's actually the best soccer player. The coach just won't give him a chance. You know, there's a lot of denial about things like that, and people do it with their dogs as well. They, they're just so emotionally attached that uh, it, if anything isn't going right, it's not this dog's fault. It's you're not a good enough trainer or the person helping you isn't good enough helping you. And sometimes the dog is going to be very challenging to get this across to. And uh, once you recognize that, then you can adjust the things that you're doing. And above all, one of the, the most powerful uh, training tool in the world is patience. It is patience. If the dog isn't doing what they're supposed to or you're not doing what you're supposed to, instead of anger and retribution and punishment, sit back 
and say, all right, we're going to just give this another go because this isn't working out. There's got to be a reason. Now, one of the things that I always tell all of the people that I work with, <laughs> they will all, any of them listening to this right now is going, oh, yeah. All right. Whatever the dog does, uh, assuming that a dog is mentally healthy and stable and does not have some significant issues or has been abused or something in the past, whatever the dog is doing that you're not happy about is ultimately your responsibility and your doing, not the dog. The dog blaming thing, you know, what's the matter with this darn dog is, is just an excuse. So when, you, when the dog is not taking casts on a blind or the dog is not, you know, fetching the bumper the way you ask or the dog does not come when called or does not what, fill in the blank, whatever it's not doing, that's because there's something that you've done to make that dog believe that that's okay. Now, boy, do I get the eyes, the raised eyebrows and the look when I tell people that because they just don't understand. Or I don't, they're thinking I don't under, that I don't understand. No, this dog is just really stubborn. And so that, you know, so he's doing this. And actually, the dog may or may not be stubborn, but you're not being effective with the dog. And if it's one that's somewhat resistant to learning new things, then you need to find a way to work around that instead of just blaming the dog and allowing it to continue. So I don't care what people have going with their training. Um, it's their training. They are the teacher. They are the coach. And if they're not being successful with the dog, it's not the dog's fault. It is the trainer's fault. Any, you know, I always use my second grade math teacher examples. Any second grade math teacher has to assess the students that are being taught and figure out which one is just getting it and getting it and you got to go quickly. And then this other one is really struggling and really takes time and going at that in another way. That's their job as teachers, right? It's not like, I'm just going to present it, and if you're lucky, you get it, and if you're stupid, then you don't. That just doesn't work. That's not the purpose of school. And it's the same way in dog training. It, it is. It's the same way. It, it's, you have to find out why this dog, what this dog is, how they think, what they're doing, and then identify that, and then adjust what you're doing and how you work with it. So I would think... <laughs> The kind of questions I've, I've asked for a long time when I ask questions isn't how do you do that? But it's like, why did you do that with that dog? That's what I always do. I want to understand what's, what that person, knowledgeable person saw or thought and to make them use that particular approach. That is valuable. It's just, how do, what do I do? That's why the drills, all these people that go to seminars and there's very good trainers giving very good seminars and they have all these drills and you get out your stuff. Oh, stuff is so satisfying. We got posts and we got buckets and we got certain colors of things and we got certain distances and everyone's really happy with that. And, and it, you know, that gives you something to go do. It, that's all good. But if you got a dog that just sits there and looks at you like, what is this crap? I'm not going to do this. Okay. Is it the you didn't get the right drill for the dog or is it you don't have that dog in the state of mind they need to be want to want to be able to learn and get this one everybody willing and wanting to learn believe it or not in anything that's being taught anything you need to have the willingness and desire to be doing this with you 
And I see so many times people go out with a dog as if it's a dog bot and go, all right, dog, you're going to do this. You're going to fetch this bumper off the ground or you're going to take this left back cast or whatever it is. You're going to do this and they're going to jam it down that, <laughs> that dog's throat. Where I have found, maybe I'm just super lazy. That, that might be it. I'm just super lazy. But I have found when I have that dog in a little bit more of a teamwork thing where it's like, you know, dude, we're going to do this and it's kind of fun. I like to make all those technical hard things a little bit of a game. Now, by a game, I don't mean not seriously and you don't have to do it right and all that. I just mean I like to challenge them mentally and emotionally so that they're going, wait, what are you doing? What is this? And so they really engage with me, not only because they, that's what they're supposed to be doing, but because this is a little bit fun. And frankly, I, for me, and I, I, you know, I, I used to go help in my kids' grade schools teach math because math is awesome. And, you know, you teach students like that, that, you know, oh, no, math is horrible. I hate this. Then they will. And they don't get any of the fun. And, yes, you can do fun stuff with kids where math becomes not the enemy but a cool tool that you can use. And it's, you know, yeah, and that's true. I don't care what you think of math. Somebody didn't get, you know, didn't get to you early enough. But it's very much that way with dogs. You can make force fetch be you know, sometimes this is like, listen, you just got to do it, but you can turn it into a little bit more of a challenge for them. So they engage with you instead of go, well, make me. <laughs> it's no fun training a well, make me dog. And that's true on the T. It's true when you're doing the handling stuff. Uh, all of that is true. Unless you're somebody that likes to make you. And then, you know, that's how they're going to train dogs. But be careful when you're troubleshooting and you are told precisely what to do and if somebody doesn't take into account one how you are and then two how is this dog and then what is it the two of you are trying to accomplish you, you can't solve a problem without that and how you are is actually it's very important I've always said and over the years with all the people I've worked with and clients I've had and fellow dog people you know the dog, this, this process of training dogs is so revealing about the dog, certainly, and about you. It's very revealing about you. And, and uh, some of the issues that you have training your dog or dogs are probably similar issues you have with friends and or family and loved ones. <laughs> yeah, it, interestingly, you may not wish to see that or choose to see it, but your issues with the dogs are probably your issues with all kinds of things. And if you can be humble enough and self-examining enough, you can find out um, all kinds of kinds of things. And if you don't, then don't do it. And just go out there and put your dog through the, you know, the best YouTube video you saw and, and go ahead with that. But you're not going to be as successful and as much of a team thing, you know, as you like. And frankly... Working with these dogs, whether training or competing or hunting or just living with, you know, is this is a just rewarding in and of itself. Just this team thing and this shared accomplishment and all of that. The dogs believe the dogs feel the shared accomplishment. You know, when they didn't know anything in the beginning and people are bumping through the hard part, right? Because you know the pros bump through hard parts still sometimes, and and the in people and their dogs are bumping through the hard part and when you can just keep doing that 
and then continue bumping through more and more <laughs> advanced parts. And I know so many times it's just like, I'll never be any, why am I even doing this? Well, I just have to finish this, but I'm never going to get another dog. You know, you know, okay, good, whatever. Just go out tomorrow and try the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And pretty soon you're bumping through the more advanced stuff. You know, and I watched a bunch of people at uh, the, the Triple Crown, the APLA national event, who I remember bumping through running a single mark <laughs> or just trying to get through an upland field and keep their dog somewhere with them. I saw people that did that go just hammer that event, get all the way in and get the big plate and the big ribbon, right? And it, I will tell you, not only is the person feeling awesome, the dog has that shared, they don't think like we do, right? They don't have the words. I'm not saying that. But in their little canine way, they're like, yeah, this is all so good. Man, I was, we did all this stuff. We worked all these days, and I did all this good stuff. And they're all happy, and I'm all happy. And yeah, they do in their own way have that sense of accomplishment with you. They just know, man, that it this is just good. And they started not having a clue what they were doing. And a lot of them had people training them that didn't, weren't sure what they were doing. And then they get there. So lots of good advice out there. Lots of good, a lot good videos, all kinds of stuff. But it, the, the major success, the major problem solving ultimately has to start with you understanding what you bring to the table and you understanding what that dog brings to the table without the emotional attachment. I, I, I was taught that by a very wise person a long time ago. If you don't like a dog, you know, when you're a professional trainer, you got a bunch of them, and some of them you just love, and others like, oh, not you again. Uh, and I was always told that's the first dog you train every day. Every day that's the first dog you train. And when you go and go out with that dog, this is the best dog in the kennel. And this is the one that you get to train. And then and then that was invaluable. Because, and I would do that. I would take the one that was like, oh, man, and go, all right, we're first. Come on, Fluffy. We're going to go out there, and we're going to do this. And you're a really good dog, and it made all the difference in the world. And then as I got on to the ones that I enjoyed, you know, we were already good. I cannot tell you how how important that is. What you bring into your attitude and your approach to the whole training is every bit as important as the method you use and how you get things done. So, and you don't hear that very often because it's one of those, you know, soft topics that you can't measure uh, and you can't identify. But I would say it's probably one of the most important things in any creature-to-creature -creature interaction where you're trying to make some kind of beneficial proce progress with what you're doing. So read the good stuff, do the good stuff, um, get the good advice, listen to people that, that their interactions with their dog are the same kind that you want to have, do all that stuff. But you still got to go do that self-honest evaluation about what your strong points are and what your weak points are, and then the honesty about your dog. That's a great dog. Has a lot of go. Takes a little time to figure stuff out. But when they do, they're really good. That's the way to do it instead of going, this dumb dog, because, you know, they're not that dumb. And then if you have one that's really sharp, you know, <laughs> hope it's not sharper than you. And you're going to have to pick up on what you're doing and plan more wisely about the training that you're doing with them so that you don't bore the holy heck out of them, et cetera, et cetera. 
so that's that's the question the answer i have for the question about you know which which resource do i look at <laughs> all the ones that are that people represent what you want to be and still you got to do that homework on on yourself and your and the dog or dogs that you're training and your attitude and approach so that's today's um it's uh it's getting cold outside hunting season's wild and crazy looks like a lot of birds at least that's what I've seen so far. It looks like people are having a lot of fun. So uh, everybody stays very safe out there. Take good care of your dogs. Hydrate. First aid kits. Take good care of yourself. Gun safety. Gun safety. Gun safety. And uh, I will be back next week. <laughs>